Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we waited a week to give you a doozy. <laughs> another one. <laughs> As DJ Khaled says. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into this case, any true crime news updates on your end, Sid? I feel like the only thing that I said, because I sent you the um, about the mascot murders yesterday. <laughs> That's, like, the only thing that I've seen, like, as an update recently, besides all the drama with, like, the attorneys and, like, one of the attorneys representing one of the victim's mom at some point, and that wasn't really a huge deal to me, though. But they did say that um, that Xana was the last person that was killed, apparently, and that she fought back and, like, was grabbing the knife repeatedly, which, like, how do they have this information? Unless that she's was talking? Like- <laughs> Sydney literally sent me that, and that was my first response. Like, okay, how do they know this? So, so I don't know. I can't imagine if he's going to plead not guilty, why he would be talking. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, I'm so just it's gotta really be confused just... where all this new information is, like, coming from, I guess. Because some of it, like, okay, it's leaking from the investigation that they did, or, like, Maybe information that they knew, but, like, how would they know that she, like, repeatedly took the knife away from him and, like, put up this huge fight? Like, obviously, she could have defensive wounds on her, but also you wouldn't know she was the last to die. No. Right? Especially, I don't think so, especially with it being in, like, that, you know, 15-minute period or whatever. Like, Yeah, it's not like there's he- no way you know, like, which one died first in 15 minutes. No, I don't think so. I have no idea. I did also see on uh, the Instagram that there's some lady in, like, Georgia, question mark? I don't remember, who's, like, confessing her love for Brian Coburg and is trying to get in contact with him. <laughs> oh, you know, good the, fucking lord. This is going to start already. There's always those crazy ladies that are chasing around the murderers. <sighs> ladies, get it together. <laughs> yeah. That stresses me out so much. We've talked about this. Like, the women, like, writing Chris Watts a love letters in prison. Like, this man's in prison for killing his wife and two children. Like, well, why Chris... are you going to write him letters? Like, what? Didn't I talk to you about that? that the Chris yes, Watts, we just like, talked he, about this. He, like, came forward and was like, yeah, I get all these letters, but I just give them to other people, like, within the prison. So, like, there's probably people that are getting letters from... Chris Watts, but it's not Chris Watts. It's like <laughs> just some random person that's in Wapan. He's just like, yeah, here you go. You can pretend to be me. Like, literally doesn't give a shit. It's funny. Wild. Oh my god. That stresses me out. But that's really it. I don't feel like they really say anything else about the Moscow murders besides random things. Yeah, I looked into any Lake Mead updates again today. Nothing, which we expected (laughs) forever, if we ever get answers. (laughs) And then I also had talked about the serial killer in Mexico. They still haven't captured this guy. 
he's a U.S. citizen, but now they don't know he's like in he's a resident of California, but they don't think he's in Mexico, that he's not in California, that they can tell, like, he's just kind of MIA, so. I don't know, I just find it interesting that people can just, like, disappear in 2023. Literally just get up and disappear. It's crazy. And I it just, ha- like, it's I don't happening constantly. why, I mean, we just talked about this, and I just mentioned this, like, the whole people are afraid of like the government having their identification or like all this stuff and like oh they can have my photos on social media i'm sorry but i have a government issued id like if the fbi is looking for me they can pull up my government issued driver's license and run that (laughs) through facial recognition software literally through like traffic cams across the country like cctv across the country i mean people are delusional but Also, on the other hand, I feel like it would be a lot easier to track people if it's, like, actually this big hunt that way. I mean, it's not like we're in 2002 searching for Osama bin Laden who's hiding somewhere where there's no cameras across the, like, globe. You know what I mean? Like, You know, I I do, but then I'm thinking back to our text messages yesterday about us being in Victorian times because they literally put an old person in a body bag and then she was breathing still. So Wait, Jacob sent me that article too and I was like, Sydney literally sent me this, like, what fucking year are we in? Wild. It literally is like, okay, so we're going to go back to Victorian times where you install a bell in the coffin? Like <laughs> bell in the body bag. <laughs> like literally. It's like being in like a like a trunk where you can like push the lever to get out. So you can like push a button within the body bag to like open it. <laughs> yeah, don't isn't like all aren't all new newer like cars <laughs> with that in it? Yeah, so there's like uh if you've been in your trunk lately. <laughs> um it's been a few years, but it like lights up like where the little lever is like no matter what whether your car's on or not there's like a little light there and then you can like push the button and it'll open it interesting that doesn't work with suvs but (laughs) yeah i'm sure there's something though i don't know i'll have to inspect my i bet you that there's probably still something Maybe. I mean, like, you can sit up and be looking out. I guess that's also true, though. So, you know, the, the <laughs> SUV would not be the, the criminal's vehicle of choice in a situation like that, maybe? Probably not. <laughs> maybe, though. Who knows? Hmm. Okay, you got me well, thinking. <laughs> before we're giving anyone ideas or, like, giving us ideas on this in the future, how to do this. Literally. Um, do you have anything else before we dive into this case? No, I think you're free to take it away. So wheat. The thought of serial killers tends to be more relevant towards like the late 1970s or even later on once that phrase was actually coined. However, serial killers have been around much longer, whether we point to famous ones like H.H. Holmes or even Jack the Ripper. Today, we'll actually talk about another serial killer who began their work in the late 1800s and actually became known as many things, including one of the first 
Black Widow Killers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I cut you off there. <laughs> Belle Sorensen Gunnis was born Brynhild Paul's daughter Storset on November 11th, 1859 in Selby, Norway. One, I just want to point out that I literally looked up how to say everything because I was like, <laughs> these look crazy. <laughs> I was impressed. Thank you. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> uh, Add it to the two, resume. I know pronunciation of Norwegian names. We'll actually see exactly. how it goes later on because I say a lot more. <laughs> and and they don't keep going. Like They don't all sound as pretty as it's just it. <laughs> Bogus. Sorry. Uh, and number two, my, my second point here is actually that makes Belle a Scorpio. Fun fact. Love it. She was the youngest of eight children. At the young age of 14, Belle started working on neighboring farms, milking cows and herding cattle. Her goal was to save enough money to be able to afford going to the U.S., in 1881, at the age of 21, she finally made it to New York, and when being processed by immigration, she officially changed her name to Belle Peterson, and then headed to Chicago, where her older sister Nellie was living at the time. Belle was described as physically strong and masculine in appearance. She was standing at least 5 foot 7 inches, some report as tall as 6 feet. And she was weighing anywhere between 200 and 250 pounds, which later would be an advantage to her. She was very stocky and very muscular. In Chicago, Belle moved in with her sister and her husband at the time and quickly began working. First as a domestic servant, and then she would get a job in a butcher shop until she got married. Her job at the butcher shop was to cut up the meat. In 1884, Belle married Mads Sorensen, and together they owned and ran a candy store, which roughly a year after opening and running fairly unsuccessfully would burn to the ground. They would take the insurance money from this candy store and buy a home, which mysteriously would also burn to the ground. Both of these fires would give them an insurance payout of decent money so they could kind of move on with their lives. One could say Belle was struck with quite the unfortunate series of events in her life. Her and Mad Sorensen would go on to reportedly have four children, two of which would die as babies from inflammation of the large intestine. The same symptoms for uh, what they died from are actually also a side effect of strychnine poisoning, uh, but it was never confirmed. They Every report said that they were officially ruled as dying from col colitis <laughs> or something like that, which was basically an inflammation of the large intestine. I was going to say that's weird. Is this like something that still exists today? Probably. I've never heard of this. I'm going to look it up. It is still existing today. It's an inflammation of the inner lining of the colon or large intestine. Uh, urgent medical attention is usually recommended in severe cases. And they said it's actually really common nowadays. 
Hmm. It can last for several months or years, but it is treatable. Whereas back then, nothing was treatable and you die from everything. (laughs) Yeah, so basically... (laughs) Like, colitis nowadays isn't life-threatening for the most part, but it can cause other things such as sepsis, bowel cancer, toxic megacolon, and things like that, which I didn't even know, like, megacolon was a thing. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. It's an inflammatory bowel disease that can cause ulcers in the digestive tract. And mind you, they were infants. So symptoms were like um, stomach pains, like nausea, vomiting, like they couldn't keep food down. They couldn't like food wasn't being processed Uh, and it said they were infants. So obviously that's like life threatening, especially back then. Oh, for sure. Fortunate for Belle and Mads Sorensen, both these babies had life insurance policies already, which they a family was able to collect on. It's believed that all these children were adopted. Some reports said Belle couldn't have children, uh, but she does go on to have others. So, um, or at least one more that we know of. And again, I'm not sure if that's adopted, but I do believe she gives birth to her next child. On July 30th, 1990, Mads Sorensen would die of cerebral cerebral hemorrhaging. <laughs> cerebral, I can't speak. Uh, Belle recounted to authorities that her husband had returned home that day complaining of a headache, so she provided him with some medication to help with the pain. When she checked on him later on, he was already dead. Oddly enough, the date of Mad's death just happened to be the day he actually had two active life insurance policies. Bell had supposedly told him that, God forbid, something happens. His life insurance policy was extremely low, so she recommended he get a new one. Well, he had a policy expiring that day, July 30th, and the next day, uh, his new policy would only be the one in effect. However, he started that new policy on July 30th to make sure there was an overlap in coverage. God forbid something happened. So, because of this, Bell was pretty fortunate to walk away with about a $5,000 check at the time, which, just for reference, that's about $176,000 now. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of fucking money. A lot of money. And so with this money, Belle moved to LaPorte, Indiana with her two daughters and her adopted daughter, where she purchased a pig farm. Again, I'm not sure if the first two daughters are biological or not. I do know the third, Jenny, is absolutely adopted or was a foster daughter that became adopted. Uh, Lots of (laughs) conflicting information because, again, this is like more than 100 years ago. Less than two years later, on April 1st, 1902, Belle would be remarried, marrying Peter Gunnis, a recent widower with two young children. Only one week after their marriage, Peter's infant daughter would die in their home while under Belle's care. It's unknown what the cause of her death was, even to this day. 
just eight months later, Peter would also die from a peculiar skull injury. Bell explained the instance away by stating that Peter had been reaching for something high up on a shelf when a meat grinder fell down from another rickety shelf onto him and smashing his skull in. The coroner on this case convened a coroner's journey because or jury because he obviously suspected murder <laughs> because like you literally said your husband died because a meat grinder fell on his head. Like that's weird to me. <laughs> Uh, but nothing would come of this. So yet again, Bell would collect $3,000 from insurance on Peter's death. Only a few months later, after Peter died, Bell had a son from her now late second husband. And his other daughter, the older child that he had prior to marrying Bell, would actually go on to live with her family in Wisconsin. So like Peter's side of the family. By 1905, Bell was placing marriage, marriage ads in Chicago papers, and some of these would definitely be answered. She not only targeted Chicago, but other major cities in the area as well, specifically looking in Norwegian American newspapers. I saw she was like writing at a, in a paper in Wisconsin, somewhere in South Dakota, in Missouri. Like she was kind of writing all over. And consistently writing into the Chicago one. One of the ads read as follows. Personal. Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPorte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. <laughs> I like how, like, the triflers need not apply was added. I think that's, like, I don't think that would deter them. <laughs> I love that. No, I don't think that would deter anyone. <laughs> Agreed. So, that year, in 1905, when she started writing the ads... A farmhand from Wisconsin, Henry Gerholt, would travel to LaPorte to meet Bell. Things seemingly went well since not long after arriving there, he wrote his family telling them he liked the farm, was in good health, and he requested them to send him seed potatoes, which would be planted in order to grow more potatoes on the farm in the future. Henry's family would not hear from him after that letter. And so they contacted Belle directly. She actually informed them that Henry had decided to go off with horse traders to Chicago, and she hadn't heard from him either. Interestingly enough, she did keep his trunk and his fur coat, but his family would never hear from him again. The next year, in 1906, John Moe from Minnesota would answer Belle's marriage ad. They wrote back and forth for several months before he went to meet her in Indiana. And there he drew a large sum of cash out of the bank and then would never be seen or heard from again. A man who did work for Belle on her farm occasionally did make note that John's trunk also remained in her home. With roughly a dozen others that were not identified. <laughs> One man would be lucky enough to escape her clutches. George Anderson. 
He had come to the farm from Missouri after answering a personal ad, and he brought with him money and some of his most precious belongings. However, one night, George would wake to find Belle leaning over his bed as he slept. He said that there was a ravenous expression in her eyes, and he left immediately, terrified of what might happen next. I don't know about you, but, like, personally, I think George made a good decision. Obviously. (laughs) Yes. Because in April of 1908, Bell's farmhouse would be burned to the ground. It was major news in the area. It was a massive fire that burnt the entire house down to the foundation. All that remained was the cellar, from my understanding. Within the burnt remains of the home, a gruesome discovery was made. There were bodies of three children and a headless adult female. The adult was initially identified as Belle. After the discovery of Belle's body and the bodies of her children, the police in LaPorte, Indiana, were contacted by a man who had found letters written between his brother, Andrew, and Belle. The letters from Belle had asked for Andrew to relocate to LaPorte to bring money with him and to keep his move a secret. Andrew's brother was obviously concerned because his brother had left home and he didn't hear from him much longer after that. He then went to see what remained of Bell's home and with the help of a former former hired hand of Bell's, He found what was described as soft depressions, that's in air quotes, (laughs) in the ground of what was the hog pen. One of these depressions was actually investigated, and it really didn't take long before the dig into the section produced a sack in which two hands, two feet, and a human head were found. (laughs) So quite a gruesome discovery. Andrew's brother had actually recognized these first body parts pulled out of the ground as Andrew's. Due to this, the entire grounds were then investigated, and slowly it was found to contain lots of these soft depressions in the ground. These sites produced an insurmountable amount of evidence, which included more sacks containing human torsos, hands, Arms cut off at the shoulders, large amounts of human bones with loose flesh coming off them, and more. Each of these graves produced similar outcomes. Bodies that had been completely mutilated, decapitated, arms removed at the shoulders, and legs cut off at the knee. All these bodies showed blunt force trauma to the heads. One described as if they had been struck with hammers before being dismembered. Quick lime had been scattered on most of these bodies, specifically over their faces, and some even had it shoved in their ears, it appeared. Later on, it would be determined that many of these men had also been poisoned. Whether that was the leading cause of death or not, uh, they weren't sure. It just meant it could have been a means of disabling them for Bell to attack them. Five bodies and various parts were found on the first day of digging up the property, 
and another six on day two. All of these body parts had been scattered from underneath the hog pen. It's reported police stopped counting at the number of bodies after 11 in there. Other bodies were found near an outhouse or even near the lake. Originally, when Belle's body was found in the fire with her three children, some reports claim she potentially died in an attempt to save her children from the fire. But obviously, this narrative was quickly changing. Also funny, because, like, how do you get decapitated in a house fire? (laughs) That's what I was wondering. Like, that's, you know, just seems like it has to be decapitation first then house fire like cover up i mean i read an article which is included in the sources from the history channel that talks about Belle and her life and her death uh supposed death which we'll get into and it says that you know a lot of times people it's not uncommon for people to be missing body parts in fires if they were exposed to that like fire long enough Really? Like that that part, like if their body was exposed to the fire, like their arm, for example, the most, it could have, depending on how long the fire burnt and how hot it got, completely disintegrate their arm. What? Doesn't really make sense to me. I don't find it plausible considering the fact her children were not missing their heads, only her and no other body parts. Uh, We'll get into this more, though. Don't don't worry. We're coming back to this. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> Later on in November of 1908, Ray Lanfear would be convicted of arson due to the fire at Bell's home. Ray was a hired farmhand of Bell's, and according to reports, he was even her on-again and off-again lover. I literally hate that term. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> He claimed to be romantically involved with her and that they had some sort of relationship. Other claims said that Ray thought he would be the one to marry Belle, uh, but Belle didn't see it that way. Ray confessed about what had taken place on the Gunness farm, and that's really how we know so much today in various details. He had very conflicting stories. So it's unknown what his extent of involvement was, but he definitely had knowledge of what was going on on that farm. He is the one who told investigators that Bell would place ads for marriage and then would just rob and kill men when they visited. Just a fun fact, he was wearing one of the fur jackets from Henry and John Moe's watch when he was arrested. So he clearly had victims' possessions on him. (laughs) Ray supposedly helped move or bury bodies for Belle. And some stories even claimed he told investigators she fed body parts of victims to her pigs. I will say this has not been verified. (laughs) But not, I mean, it just makes sense. It does make sense because she did dismember their bodies. Uh, So it could have realistically happened. I will say, not all body parts of all victims were found. So it is very realistic it could have happened. 
It would definitely make sense. Yeah, I agree. Ray claimed Belle had asked him to burn down her home with her children inside. And he dropped a bomb to investigators. The adult woman inside that home was not Belle. It was a murder victim whose head had been cut off in an attempt to mislead investigators when they came sniffing around. Ray even, according to some reports, claimed he dropped Belle off at a train station where she took a train to Chicago. Why would this elaborate plan have taken place, you might ask? Well, supposedly one of the men who answered Belle's ad had become a victim of hers, and supposedly that brother was threatening her. I had mentioned Andrew, whose brother had come around and actually helped find his body. Andrew's brother had started to write to Belle when he stopped hearing from Andrew. And he told her that he was going to show up to the farm soon to investigate his brother's disappearance. He did not believe Belle's story that he had left. And he figured if his brother left, he would have written him and told him where he was going. This was really the catalyst for Belle to destroy her house and kill her children and fake her own death in order to leave. Or that's what some people think. There were a lot of inconsistencies, though. First, Belle had fired Ray a few months before the fire and had actually gone to a lawyer claiming that she was afraid for her family from Ray. She told the lawyer that Ray had threatened to kill her and burn down her home. He had been trespassing and threatening her repeatedly. And so she made a will, leaving everything to her children just in case. That night when she left the attorney's office is when she burnt, her house was burnt down. It's also important to note she bought two gallons of kerosene on her way home that evening. According to a reverend, Ray had verbally confessed to him and he transcribed it, even having Ray sign it as a con- confirmation that what was written was true. In this confession, which was actually later published in a newspaper, Ray stated that he killed Belle and her children with an axe, covered their bodies in kerosene, and lit all of them and the house on fire. The important thing, obviously, in this confession, though, is that now he claims Belle is dead. Despite the inconsistent confessions, Belle Gunness was pronounced dead. The doctor who performed the autopsy testified that the headless body was five inches shorter and about 50 pounds lighter than Belle was known to be. On another hand, though, false teeth were found near the body that Belle's dentist would identify as hers. I just, like, want to ask, though, because yet again, her head is missing. But these false teeth are just found near the body? Like, I just want that information to sink in. She ripped her teeth out and got on a train. (laughs) Okay. Well, despite all of this information and the lack of explanation of what actually happened to her head, Belle was declared dead, and that remained. 
The sheriff in the area blamed a reporter in Chicago for the theory of Bell's escape, claiming this was proven untrue. However, there were more multiple reported sightings of Bell in the Chicago area for quite a few years after her supposed death. Police often looked into reports of the sightings of Bell, but nothing led to her arrest or even her identification. In 2008, DNA tests were run on the female body found in the Gunness home and compared to the sample DNA from a letter Bell had mailed to one of her confirmed victims where she had licked the envelope. Unfortunately, due to the age of the DNA sample on the letter, it was not able to be properly tested. The Gunness property, in the meantime, became a tourist attraction. People from all across the country came to look at the mass graves. And while they were actually digging up bodies and still looking into the property, people were coming. Some reports said up to 15,000 people a day. And they were purchasing concessions or souvenirs. It's just different times, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I literally wrote, like, this seems really morbid, but I feel like it truly speaks to the times. That's literally in my notes. Because that's exactly what happened with, like, the Velisca Axe murder house. Mm-hmm. And even now, you can go visit that home. Yeah, but, like, now I feel like it's, you know, for the ghost hunting aspect, and, like, it's still, like, a historical site. But, like, back then, like, people were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like bricks from the home and stuff back then. Well, and even, like, when people would die, like, a little bit, I mean, earlier, but, like, when Abraham Lincoln died, like, they brought his whole body on like a tour around the country like why why is it a thing why (laughs) but i feel like it just really speaks to the times in at least like more appropriate fashion (laughs) the laporte county historical society museum has a permanent bell gunness exhibit actually one of my sources i used was their website where they have information about bell gunness her life history and the crimes and I saw that you can actually request for $12 um, copies of coroner reports, coroner inquests, and things like that from her previous, like, history and, like, the bodies found and her husband's coroner inquests and all this stuff, which I thought was really interesting. I might pay the $12 just to get it <laughs> for later. <laughs> Some light reading. Have your own investigation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, it is unknown whether Belle died in that fire or faked her own death. It's also unknown her total number of victims. But it is believed to be anywhere from 14 to 24 or even to 40. In 1931, a woman named Esther... Carlson was arrested in Los Angeles for poisoning a Norwegian American man and attempting to steal his money. Esther would die of tuberculosis while waiting for trial, but it is said she bared quite the resemblance to Belle Gunness. There was no record of Esther's existence prior to 1908, which, remember, was the year of Belle's supposed death in the fire on her property. And Esther even had a photo in her possession of children who eerily looked just like the Gunnish children. 
It's not confirmed if this woman was really Belle or not. But if it was, I am sure that that was not her only victim in those more than 20 years. I do have some fun facts before we, like, wrap up. And any questions and comments on your end? (laughs) Uh, Belle Gunness was actually nicknamed Hell's Belle. And even Indiana Ogress in newspapers later on. Ogress? Ogress. That is messed up. I know. And I feel like it just, like, goes to speak of the times to, like, comment on her as being, like, this ugly woman. Yes. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) Although most of her victims on the farm have not been identified, there were a few. So her adopted daughter, Jenny, was one of them. Don Moo and Henry Gerholt, as mentioned before, were victims that were found. And then also Olaf Venherid, Olby Budsberg, Olaf Lindblom, and Andrew Heigelin. I'm probably butchering some of those last names. There was a book published in 2018 titled Hull's Princess, The Mystery of Belle Gunness, Butcher of Men. There was another book published in 2021 titled In the Garden of Spite, a novel of the Black Widow of Laporte based off Belle's life. And finally, in 2021, a movie titled The Farm came out based off of her. I just think it's really interesting that all these things have been coming out in the last five years. That is super weird. Like, what are the odds of that? I mean, sometimes the cases don't get big until later. I've never heard of this. And, like, it's so close, so I think that's weird. Okay, so I had never heard of this either. I think it's extremely interesting because I feel like it should be as big as, like, H.H. Holmes, in my personal opinion. I mean, it was around the same time. It was, like, really messed up. And... She killed probably as many people as H.H. Holmes that we know of. And she faked her own death and ran away. Oh, I'm a firm (laughs) believer she faked her own death. Absolutely. That just makes sense. Like, there's There's no no other explanation to me. There's no reason that that body was found headless. Even if you wouldn't have told me that, like, there was a, a later, you know, possible sighting or whatever and, like, all those weird connections, I still would have thought that she faked her own death. But that was, like, the cherry on top for me that she definitely faked her own death. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I saw that story of that woman in 1931, and I was like, okay, well, I have to include this because I did see it a couple times. And I was like, there's no way this isn't connected. If all these articles are bringing this woman up, like, they must have really, and it's across the country in 1931. Like, how much did she have to look like Belle for that to, like, really... Like, you know what I mean? There's not the internet. No. It's more than 20 years later across the entire country. Like, that's so weird to me. Super weird. And it it would have to be, I mean, I don't know how word would travel, like, all the newspapers, but, like, that's crazy. It's literally crazy. I would have to agree. 
I don't I don't know how I found this case. I'm gonna be honest. It's been on my list for a while. And really? maybe it's been like maybe it was when I found like that list of like top crimes per state. Um, I'm surprised if that's the case that she's listed from like Indiana when there's John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> um but I don't know. Maybe it was like a but list John- of like unheard crimes in a state. Casey's like Chicago, Illinois though. Oh yeah, yeah, Illinois. So I mean, well, she would make. No, didn't he? Oh she, yeah, he was from Gary, Indiana. Sorry. Mhm. Which is just like on the border, but I mean, Laporte is like on the border too, because that's like a, an area you would drive through, like driving to Michigan. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounded really familiar, and mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that she was writing more to papers in Chicago, Wisconsin, Minnesota, than, like, Indianapolis. But I'm also That's guessing true. that probably at the time, like, the Norwegian-American, like, society was probably bigger further there. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but, like, they're in the Midwest and, like, the Dakotas and stuff like that, there was also, like, a lot of, like, German immigrants or like a lot of people who came from these like Russian immigrants that came from farm lives like in cold places Mm -hmm. that went to cold places in the Midwest and had their own farms to be successful that's true I was also thinking just because like Chicago would have been probably closer than like Indianapolis but like that doesn't make sense for like Minnesota but like Wisconsin and Chicago would probably have been closer than Indianapolis because because Indianapolis is way yeah that would further be probably south like from the border of Illinois three hours yeah like a three-hour drive so I mean I, they're taking horse and buggy back then <laughs> <laughs> trains literally <laughs> well that's all I've got for this horrific story of Bell Gunness butcher of men <laughs> it was definitely a doozy it was definitely worth the wait um I hope so. Hopefully everyone enjoyed another serial killer that's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, because, no, I've never I've never heard of this. And I also just find it so weird because it's so close. I also have never heard of this. And I feel like I've heard of, like, books and stuff called The Farm. But it's not about Bell Gunness. <laughs> it's about, oh, crap. What's his name? I have no idea. Um... There had he had a pig farm. Hold on, Robert Pickton. Mm, yeah, you know, you're right. You know that one. Yeah, I do know who that is. <laughs> okay, I uh, usually when I hear like the farm, I think of like Robert Pickton, and like that's the most famous like fed people the pigs killer that I could think of. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a big one for sure. They did a Criminal Minds episode loosely based off him. Really? Yeah, I remember seeing it and being like, I know this case. I love that. <laughs> well, that's all I've got. You got some jokes and facts and for us. <laughs> of course I do. Sweet. Let's go joke fat first. Nope. Ooh. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Why were sun chips tasked with protecting the dip? Why? 
because they were known for garden salsa. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, like the garden harvest chips. I get it. <laughs> Levi liked it. Levi did like it. He was quiet. He wasn't he was quiet. grunting or yelling this time. Did you like that joke? His brows were furrowed together, but then he smiled. So we're going to say that was a good joke in his book. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Okay, hit me with the facts. See, I did switch it up for you. I know, I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of shocked, actually. Yeah, it's um, probably the only time in the next, like, year. Literally. My fact is for Levi, too, because we talked about this a lot last weekend. Um... Just how he gets excited about his sneezes. He literally just sneezed. <laughs> so That's a single so sneeze travels 100 miles per hour and shoots 100,000 germs into the air. So you should go wash your hands now. Yeah, I just covered his mouth while he sneezed. So <laughs> I will That's definitely funny. go <laughs> wash my hands. <laughs> I'm going to tell that back. Jacob who doesn't always cover his mouth when he sneezes and I've had to yell at him like my whole pregnancy I was like cover your mouth (laughs) I don't know if it was something that like just recently started or what (laughs) I feel like that's always been something that's just been gross to me when people don't cover it's so gross to me I'm like please your your spit and snot are flying out so fast so now I I have to use this exact fact (laughs) Sometimes it's hard, like, you can't just, you know, move that fast. You know, I've definitely had that happen. But, like, if I'm by myself, I'm like, okay, it's fine. If I'm, like, with a bunch of people, mm. Yeah, I think having a baby, I've had to do it more when I'm, like, holding him in one arm and, like, stuff in the other. But even then, I try to move at least where I'm, like, in my shoulder (laughs) on the arm I'm not carrying him. You can definitely cover it somehow. Yeah, like, you gotta make it work. Exactly. (laughs) Well, folks, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. Has links to all our episodes on Spotify, as well as all our sources. And I know last episode I said my goal was to have it updated. It really will be this week. I promise. Love it. (laughs) And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and a review to help us get noticed and help other people find the podcast. Absolutely. And if that is all, then we will definitely be talking to you next week. We are not skipping next week. (laughs) We'll be back. Bye. Bye. <laughs>